Chapter Three of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. War by Pierre Loti, translated by Marjorie Lowry chapter three a gay little scene at the battlefront october nineteen fourteen at about eleven o'clock in the morning of that day i arrived at a village its name i have let us say forgotten my companion was an english commandant whom the fortunes of war had given me for comrade since the previous evening our path was lighted by that great and genial magician the sun a radiant sun a holiday sun transfiguring and beautifying all things this occurred in a department in the extreme north of france which one it was i have never known but the weather was so fine that we might have imagined ourselves in provence for nearly two hours our way lay hemmed in between two columns of soldiers marching in opposite directions. On our right were the English going into action, very clean, very fresh, with an air of satisfaction and in high spirits. They were admirably equipped and their horses in the pink of condition. On our left were French artillerymen coming back from the titanic battle to enjoy a little rest. The latter were coated with dust, and some wore bandages round arm and forehead, but they still preserved their gaiety of countenance and the aspect of healthy men, and they marched in sections in good order. They were actually bringing back quantities of empty cartridge cases, which they had found time to collect, a sure proof that they had withdrawn from the scene of action at their leisure unhurried and unafraid victorious soldiers to whom their chiefs had prescribed a few days respite in the distance we heard a noise like a thunderstorm muffled at first to which we were drawing nearer and yet nearer peasants were working in the adjoining fields as if nothing unusual were happening and yet they were not sure that the savages who were responsible for such tumult yonder would not come back one of these days and pillage everything here and there in the meadows on the grass sat groups of fugitives clustered round little wood fires the scene would have been dismal enough on a gloomy day but the sun managed to shed a cheerful light upon it they cooked their meals in gypsy fashion surrounded by bundles in which they had hurriedly packed together their scanty clothing in the terrible rush for safety our motor-car was filled with packets of cigarettes and with newspapers which kind souls had commissioned us to carry to the men in the firing line and so slow was our progress so closely were we hemmed in by the two columns of soldiers that we were able to distribute our gifts through the doors of the car to the english on our right to the french on our left they stretched out their hands to catch them in mid-air and thanked us with a smile and a quick salute 
there were also villagers who travelled along that overcrowded road mingling in confusion with the soldiers i remember a very pretty young peasant woman who was dragging along by a string in the midst of the english transport wagons a little go-cart with two sleeping babies she was toiling along for the gradient just there was steep a handsome scotch sergeant with a golden moustache who sat on the back of the nearest wagon smoking a cigarette and dangling his legs beckoned to her give me the end of your string she understood and accepted his offer with a smile of pretty confusion the scotchman wound the fragile tow-rope around his left arm keeping his right arm free so that he might go on smoking so it was really he who brought along these two babies of france while the heavy transport lorry drew their little cart like a feather when we entered the village the sun shone with increasing splendor such chaos such confusion prevailed there as had never been seen before and after this war unparalleled in history will never again be witnessed uniforms of every description weapons of every sort scots french cuirassiers turcos suaves bedouins whose burnouses swung upwards with a noble gesture as they saluted the church square was blocked with huge english motor omnibuses that had once been a means of communication in the streets of london and still displayed in large letters the names of certain districts of that city i shall be accused of exaggeration but it is a fact that these omnibuses wore a look of astonishment at finding themselves rolling along packed with soldiers over the soil of france all these people mingled together in confusion were making preparations for luncheon those savages yonder who might perhaps arrive here on the morrow who could say still conducted their great symphony their incessant cannonade but no one paid any attention to it who moreover could be uneasy in such beautiful surroundings such surprising autumn sunshine while roses still grew on the walls and many coloured dahlias in gardens that the white frost had scarcely touched every one settled down to a meal and made the best of things you would have thought you were looking at a festival a somewhat incongruous and unusual festival to be sure improvised in the vicinity of some tower of babel girls wandered about among the groups little fair-haired children gave away fruit they had gathered in their own orchards scotsmen in shirt-sleeves were persuaded that the country they were in was warm by comparison with their own priests and red cross sisters were finding seats for the wounded unpacking cases one good old sister with a face like parchment and frank pretty eyes under her mob cap took infinite pains to make a zawawi comfortable whose arms were both wrapped in bandages doubtless she would presently feed him as if he were a little child we ourselves the englishman and i were very hungry so we made our way to the pleasant-looking inn 
where officers were already seated at tables with soldiers of lower rank in these times of torment in which we live hierarchical barriers no longer exist i could certainly give you a roast beef and rabbit saute said the innkeeper but as for bread no indeed it is not to be had you cannot buy bread anywhere at any price ah said my comrade the english commandant and what about those excellent loaves over there standing up against the door oh those loaves belong to a general who sent them here because he is coming to luncheon with his aides-de-camp hardly had he turned his back when my companion hastily drew a knife from his pocket sliced off the end of one of those golden loaves and hid it under his coat we have found some bread he said calmly to the innkeeper so you can bring luncheon so seated beside the arab officer of la grande tante dressed in red burnous we luncheoned gaily with our guests the soldier chauffeurs of our motor-car when we left the inn to continue our journey the festival of the sun was at its height it cast a glad light upon that ill-assorted throng and the strange motor omnibuses a convoy of german prisoners was crossing the square bestial and sly of countenance they marched between our soldiers who kept time infinitely better than they scarcely a glance was thrown at them the old nun i spoke of so old and so pure-eyed was helping her zouave to smoke a cigarette holding it to his lips rather awkwardly with trembling grandmotherly solicitude at the same time she seemed to be telling him some quite amusing stories with the innocent ingenuous merriment of which good nuns have the secret for they were both laughing who can say what little childish tale it might have been an old parish priest who was smoking his pipe near them without any particular refinement i am bound to admit laughed too to see them laugh and just as we were going into our car to continue our journey to those regions of horror where the cannon were thundering a little girl of twelve ran and plucked a sheaf of autumn asters from her garden to deck us with flowers what good people there are still in the world and how greatly has the aggression of german savages reinforced those tender bonds of brotherhood that unite all who are truly of the human species end of chapter three